Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, just a little, bit, a little bit about myself. I uh, was with the Kansas City Police Department, the intelligence unit, and and one things we one of the things we did when you guys would would do an install, why they'd have a couple of us check out a couple of uh, marked cars and put us in uniform, and we'd drive around the outside just in case anybody accidentally came in or somebody called the uh, the real police on you, and then we could cut them off at the pass. So, <laughs> well, you know that was the way we did it, but not uh, at the time frame of these entries. Yeah, there was. Uh, we didn't have that kind of cooperation until much later. Yeah. But let me tell you, when we did get that kind of cooperation, it was definitely a help. Yeah. You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Well, hello, all you wiretappers out there. I'm back here in the studio of Gangland Wire, and I, as I promised before, I now have on the phone another one of the retired FBI agents that figured in prominently into that recent Netflix series, Fear City. I know you guys have, are all watched that, and, and you liked it, and I liked it myself. I really loved what this guest uh, that we're getting ready to talk to did. Uh, he was one of the tech agents, one of the, one of the black bag guys. Last week, Netflix released Fear City. It's a three-part series on how the FBI and U.S. attorney convicted the bosses of the five New York families, the Bonanno, the Colombo, Gambino, Genovese, and Lucchese families. The bosses of these families formed the commission, and on a national basis, you can add the Chicago family boss to this commission. These bosses on the commission would settle disputes, make decisions about approved and unapproved activities for La Cosa Nostra crime families throughout the whole United States. This series depicts the bright and courageous agents and prosecutors using the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, or RICO, to take on the New York bosses and take them down as an organization. The director, Sam Hopkinson, wove together individual stories from street agents like Charlotte Lang, who I interviewed the other day, tech agent Joe Cantamessa, who I'm interviewing today, FBI supervisor Jim Kostler, who got the whole thing started and suggested they use the RICO Act to uh, take these bosses down. And finally, the overall boss was U.S. Attorney Giuliani. Street agents followed, watched, waited, tapped phones, and installed microphones while the attorneys put together and presented the evidence to prove the mafia was an organization who committed corrupt acts. In, in this episode, when I interviewed tech agent Joe Cantamesa, 
we'll compare our own stories about being part of an operation at night, late at night. From a personal standpoint, I highly recommend you watch this series. Now, there are people that say, oh, it's the same old stuff over and over again, but it's never been told quite like this. I've never seen a mob documentary with the production values that Netflix brings to this movie. And finally, the Netflix producers bring the viewers many previously unheard stories and more importantly, video of FBI tech agents at work. And uh, Joe, Joe Cantamesa, I really appreciate you coming on the show here. Welcome. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Well, well Joe, as, as I told you before, just before I started recording here, that you know, when, when the local FBI, during the skim investigation out in Las Vegas, they had, I think, as many as 20, 19 or 20 wiretaps and bugs going on at one time. And, and on those uh, installs, when you had to break into a place and in the middle of the night, why they'd always have us get a uniform car or mark car and put on a uniform, go out and cruise around, and we'd have a, a FBI walkie-talkie, and then we'd, of course, it'd be on the police frequency that was in the area and, and usually have a scanner to monitor other police frequencies just to make sure that if some citizen saw you guys uh, getting in that place in the middle of the night, then they called the real police and then come flying in. We could stop that or or somebody, you know, ac- accidentally stumbled into it uh, that had a key or, you know, that you didn't figure on would come in. Why We could come flying in. And, and you know, when the uniformed police show up, everybody sits up and takes notice. So, Joe, it, this is really interesting for me to talk to you. Welcome. Thank you. And so tell me a little bit about, I mean, you're a tech guy. How did you get into that work? I mean, you didn't hire in as a tech guy into the uh, FBI, did you? Did you start out as a street agent? I actually uh, hired in as a regular uh, special agent, as all special agents are created equal. Yeah. (laughs) I happened to come in under uh, what was called the accounting program. I had an accounting degree with a couple years public accounting experience, so although that followed my uh, earlier life as an, uh, an electronics technician and a, what we'll call a, a real phone man from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, we, our unit always had one guy that he knew a lot about fixing TVs and, and knew him, and we didn't really make installs ourselves. We ran one wiretap in Kansas City, and, and then the, the law had a sundown provision on it, and we never did it again. We just worked with the Bureau. But we always had one guy that knew how to do those kinds of things. So uh, 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 you were you were invaluable just having that 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 kind of thing. Now, were you a, a lock picker? Did you go to lock picking school too? Actually, uh, all technically trained agents, uh, I had you know, 15 to 20 on my squad at the peak period, we all go through the same basic training that included locks. Um, to be honest with you, we very rarely did any picking. That was sort of a uh, last resort uh, uh, technique that was really a little bit haphazard. We did something uh, at the time uh, called impressioning, and at the end of the uh, sequence, we'd actually have a key to open the door, uh, and there were, as you might expect, many interruptions while you're standing at a door trying to get through the lock. So uh, you, you'd like to have something that didn't make you start over every time you got an interruption. Yeah, really, that's for sure. Now, uh, impressioning, I believe, I read up on that once, isn't that where you you end up making your own key? You have to figure out what kind of lock it is, and you've got some kind of a, a special device that you can end up making your own key. So when you actually do the entry, you just have a key, you walk right in. 
Right. It's not actually a special device. It's a uh, it's a, a key blank that fits the profile of the key. It's uh, softened, so it will dent easier. And uh, you use basically a, uh, a vice grips and a file and uh, some good luck and uh, good intuition. <laughs> well, cool. I, I know. Uh, and then you, you still have some of those sneaky little things you do. I, I know we had one time the uh, the tech agent and a female walked up in front of the place, and then it looked like they were making out, and he's, his hands were around behind her, and then he unlocked the door so it was unlocked, and then walked on up the street, and then a few minutes later, th- probably 30 minutes later, the couple of tech agents came walking by with their bags, and, and if you weren't looking, you wouldn't know it because they just disappeared. They, the lock was already, the door was already open. They just walked right in and closed the door behind them, and, and it was you would never known they were there unless you just happened to be have your eyes on them when they walked in. So you guys are pretty tricky. I wouldn't want you after me. Well, <laughs> well that's not an unfamiliar scenario. There's actually a, a fairly uh, uh, old dated uh, tech agent who had since left the FBI by the name of Ed Tickle, and uh, that pretty much was his technique. He uh, he always liked the female agent to assist him in uh, looking like he belonged in the neighborhood or could just be hanging out somewhere without attention getting. Well, I, I believe it was the famous Ed Tickle that came into town and did these entries for us. <laughs> we won't go down that path. but. Uh, right. Well, he's uh, since passed, but uh, we were friends back uh, before his uh, challenges. But, uh, yes, uh, Quite a famous individual. Yes, he was. He he was a genius. I understand at, at doing that kind of thing. He was really creative, and that's what you guys have to be really creative because you have to get into places that uh, there's a lot of eyes on. Many times, uh, like going into the Ravenite Social Club and and uh, uh, at here in Kansas City, up in what we call the North End, where you know if if you're a stranger to that neighborhood, man, you every eye is on you as soon as you enter the neighborhood. So you have to really get creative. You got to blend, and you know what we wound up doing uh, eventually uh, after we stopped uh, borrowing talent from FBI headquarters. Uh, New York uh, pretty much led the uh, the FBI in developing its own lock uh, talent, who later was were transferred to FBI headquarters and providing service to the entire organization. Yeah, see, that's like here in Kansas City. We had one guy that was uh, here. That did a lot of that, but mainly they called them in from Washington, like Ed Tickle and, and other people from Washington to do those kinds of things. Uh, tell me about the cars. Now, we had the same situation. They tried to get some bugs in cars because they were driving around, and uh, it's hard to get the probable cause for a car, but they finally did. But the installations, they never worked, and then something else happened, and, and they quickly moved to a, a club. So tell me about getting a, putting one in a car. How difficult is that? Uh, uh, cars were generally uh, a little more challenging. The problem with a, a, a car installation typically is uh, how are you going to power it up? It's going to be an RF transmitter in most cases, although in rare instances we'd actually install a recording device and try to retrieve the, uh, the tape or the recording later. But you know, whenever you had an RF um, microphone and a mobile platform, you had to be close enough to it, either directly uh, in, you know, earshot or in uh, RF range, or you'd have to have other cars with repeaters to yeah. rebroadcast that signal. So logistically, they were always more challenging. 
um, you know, just in terms of the workup, you know, we would almost always try to get an identical vehicle, something to practice on. Uh, in certain types of cases, we would actually get a vehicle and have it look precisely like the one we were borrowing for the install. We'd swap the two so it looked like uh, the right car parked outside the subject's window, and then we'd bring the car back. So there were many, many different uh, scenarios that played out, and I can tell you from uh, many years of uh, working this particular effort, uh, no two were ever the same. <laughs> really? You know, that, that hiding a recorder and turning it on when you know they're going to be driving around and then retrieving it later, I, I guess all you really have to do is then break back into the car in the middle of the night. Now, you feds, you'd have to have warrants to do all that. Uh, I'll tell you a little story. A, uh, a friend of mine was a new sergeant out there in patrol, and, and he had an aggressive young guy working for him. And he tells this story to the sergeant at the end of the shift. He said, yeah, he said, I, I stopped those two guys. You know, I know they're up to no good. So I got them out of the car, and I, I got my little handheld recorder, and I turned it on. I put it back in the car, and then I put them back in the car and then just walked back and sat for about 15 minutes and let them talk. Then I walked back up to the car, got them out again, and then and then got my recorder out. And that sergeant said, you did what? So that was a pretty creative kid. He should have been one of you guys. And, you know, you had to think on the fly. Uh, although not part of this uh, Netflix series, I do recall uh, at the subject of a car we had borrowed for a short period of time, noticed it was missing. So we had to then change channels and uh, make like it was stolen. So yeah. um, I guess the... the Time has run out now. We, we actually stole the car, took the hubcaps off, and threw them in the river. And later, <laughs> later the subject found the car on his own, Yeah, um, had it emptied out, the seats and everything, and then torched it. So he was not taking uh, any loss on that deal. <laughs> yeah, he was probably upside down the payments anyhow. That's a good way to get right with your car. <laughs> I'm sure he probably got charged with insurance fraud down the road. In the but, end, uh, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, it is. It, it, you've got to be constantly creative all the time. Uh, and, of course, I think the most dramatic and, and what I loved about this series was some of the video uh, that was avail was made available to the Netflix people. They had to work like heck to get that. And, and some of the audio they got. I know it's anything that was obtained under Title III is really hard to get. You gotta, you gotta get a uh, order from the court to go get the audio. And then you gotta go find it, uh, who's got custody of it and all that. So those producers did a heck of a job. And, and that video was, uh, uh of going into, what uh, was it, uh, uh, Angelo Quack Quack Ruggiero's home. Uh, and doing that install in the cable TV, that was dynamite, man. I was impressed myself. You know, <laughs> we taped this, uh, these uh, segments in early 2019, and uh, now we know it takes so long. Uh, they're going to have all the resources to make the best possible production. Yeah, boy, they, they did do that. Boy, it, the high, the production values were, were just out of sight, I, I thought, on this thing. I like the way they, they filmed your... Uh, particular interviews having you sitting in your car like that because that's you know how many hours did you sit in the car and watch something <laughs> well we did uh, actually you know the the tech uh, group uh, meeting the tech supervisor we were handling lots of cases uh, lots of violations the surveillance crew really put the hours in uh, 
and gave us the package that we then could then act on. Yeah. And it was only when it looked like we couldn't sneak in that we had to do one of our uh, creative daytime scenarios. <laughs> yep, uh, that's that's sneaking it. I don't know. You didn't you didn't come out to Chicago one time, did you? We had a uh, I probably Ed Tickle was part of this. We had the. Uh, mob boss was asleep upstairs. It was a three-story brownstone, and they thought the meeting was going to be in the first floor, and he was asleep on the third floor, and there was no way. They didn't have time, and the guy broke in in the middle of the night and did the installation and went back out while that mob boss was asleep on the third floor. I tell you what. Uh, yeah, there were there were definitely some uh, some uh, tense moments for a, a couple of the entries that I do recall quite well. Because you know, if, if they somebody wakes up or, or stumbles in on you, you're fair game. <laughs> you can't you can't get uh, the words FBI out in the badge fast enough that you might be. Well, you know that protection you were making reference to by having the mark cars out front for any uh, unexpected guests uh, yeah. that played out well but before that we had our own plans in place in order to cause a delay or an interruption so the, the inside people can clean up pick up and get out safely and uh, there were a couple uh, instances where there was no back door so we came <laughs> in the front we went out the front yeah, I bet it take nerves of steel to do that. I, you guys are—it's pretty impressive. I mean, even even when you're doing it under the color of law, and, and you're right, you still are—you're uh, just at, at a huge risk if if something goes wrong. Plus, you can—if if you screw up putting that in, you just screwed up weeks and weeks and weeks of investigation. More than likely, could get the probable cause to put that in. There's a lot of pressure on on the uh, tech agents that when you make those installations, do everything Absolutely. right. Absolutely, uh, you know. Although uh, not related, I can remember a, a case in San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, on the Macheteros that the uh, there was more stress from the SAC that we were going to screw it up than it was about the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, I can imagine, especially that that kind of a terrorism thing. It's a, a lot of pressure on you to do that right. I'm trying to think. Nobody the, wanted their career development interrupted. <laughs> no, no. Especially when you start going up that political ladder. <laughs> that's when yeah, it really right, gets dicey. Right. <laughs> but that's that's human beings. That's that's the way it is everywhere. Whatever you do, it's just the stakes are a little bit higher uh, when you're doing things like that. I know we, uh, I think it was probably this Ed Tickle. We had an install here that was was a short time. You know, you, lots of times there's a short turnaround. They find out about a meeting, and you got to get it in before that meeting. Uh, and uh, so that really will pull out all your creative juices and get that going. And what they what they did here, it was in a, a neighborhood. It was in a, a mob neighborhood. And they knew where it was going to be, and they knew the kind of car that the it was a woman's apartment or a woman's house, a relative's house, and they figured out she was going to be leaving to go get her hair done somehow. I'm not sure how. And they got a car just like hers, and so and they cloned the garage door opener. And so when she left the neighborhood, we followed her away and stayed on her. And they had a car exactly like hers, and and a female agent with a wig like hers and a coat like hers and the uh, tech agents were laying down on the back floorboard and drove right back into the garage of the garage door opener and got out and, and installed the microphones, got back in the car and left again and nobody ever knew. 
like uh, like you say, you got to be creative. <laughs> uh, and there's one story that I like to tell that um, we got into the subject's residence uh, at his daughter's wedding by uh, getting a limo and making like we were part of the wedding party, stopping back at the house. <laughs> that's a good way. So, <laughs> yeah, you got to be thinking and you got to be flexible and you got to be prepared for pretty much anything. Really. What about, like, hiding the mics and everything? That's, uh, I mean, you guys go to great lengths. You, the mics have to be uncovered enough to get the sound, but they've got to be somehow uh, hidden from view. Well, you know, microphones clearly have a whole lot of flavors tied to them. They have to do with sound pressure level, frequency response, uh, none or a few of the microphones were ever bare microphones. Most of them were in some type of concealment. When you did, however, have to hide a raw mic, uh, you would have to find a cavity or some place that it would have uh, direct access to where the audio was likely to be directed from. And uh, it didn't take a whole lot. I mean, in certain types of cases, we could test and evaluate, but different times of the day give you different... Uh, ambient noise profiles and most of the time we got lucky occasionally we needed some uh, processing in order to filter out or uh, enhance the audio yeah it's a tough one that those microphones the the wiretaps are always have pretty clear sound but those microphones are are really difficult to to get that right and like the in the sopranos and i think this happened in real life where they knew there was a particular kind of a lamp inside the house i guess you can it's part of your uh, warrant to make the installation, which folks, that's they have to have like a warrant to grow in, to break into somebody's house that to make that installation, almost like a search warrant in in many ways. Uh, so they knew they probably had a warrant to go in and do a survey. Maybe I'm not sure, but they did a uh, they found a lamp in there and they bought a lamp just like it and then wired it in with the microphone and then uh, uh, replaced the the lamp. Did you ever do anything like that? Yeah, yeah we uh, rarely would replace anything in-house, and rarely was there an advanced look. Um, it would be the, like the opportunity. The, the warrant or the court order basically specified the subject, the address, and the time frame. And uh, oh. very often we would go in with, uh, you know, sort of like a bag of tricks, two or three options. The only thing we needed to know ahead of time is, how we were going to get the signal out. Were we going to RF package, hardwire package? Were we going to put something on the phone line that was also a microphone? We knew a little bit more than, uh, you know, than, than we needed on occasion. And sometimes uh, we just, you know, seat of our pants installation. Yeah, that's a lot of people, I think, uh, if you're not uh, familiar with the electronics of it, to get that signal out now to... To send out an RF signal, which would mean you'd have to have a, a receiver reasonably close or some kind of repeater, which that, that repeating thing, it, it works, but it doesn't work as great as, as having that receiver close. That means you've always got to be real close to your your source of the uh, the signal uh, where the microphone is and the, the transmitter. And, and then rain or, or weather conditions can mess that up, so that's probably the least ideal uh way to get the signal Absolutely. out hardwire was always preferred uh but as you know nowadays it's a quick uh, cellular microphone uh, there's no challenge of today it's not like uh you don't have the effort 
have yeah. required that, that we did back in the uh, 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Yeah, heck, today they can probably just go to a computer and get on somebody's cell phone and turn it into the mic whenever they want to and be running it right yeah, back to the office. Or you could go online and spend $50, buy a SIM card, and get two hours of good audio dialed up from anywhere on the planet. I mean, that's how ridiculous this is. <laughs> I, I know, it's crazy. We were I went to a little meeting with some coppers that were following a... This guy was... I guess he would, you would call him a serial killer, and we worked him back in the day, and uh, back in the 70s. We followed him, followed him, followed him, and then made him on another case, and he went to prison for quite a while, and they came back out and... Sometime in the last couple of three years, he killed another girl. And so the modern-day police got on him, and they're following him around, which we used to do with, like, 20 cars sometimes and, and would still lose him once in a while. Well, they got on him with a GPS locator. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in a meeting with these guys. They're wanting to pick our brains. Anything they can find, we can dredge up out of our memory about that would help them make a case on this guy to get him back off the street. So this kid leaned over to me and said, look at this. So he opens up his cell phone and and he's got like a little dot on his. It said, "There he's his car's right here at home right now." And if he moves, it'll get it'll ring me and tell me that he's moving now. So, <laughs> you know, a fair amount of my uh, current work uh, I do TSCM work and uh, we do I do a vehicle checks. I have a garage with a lift and uh, looking for tracking devices is also becoming a bit of a challenge because of the various options available for somebody to employ GPS tracking. So yep. you're right. It's, it's, it's way different than it used to be. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the old days. That's why we don't really mind telling these stories about how they used to do it. Now, at one time, I would never have told that story about the, the clone car and the clone garage door opener, but, you know, that's old hat now. <laughs> you don't need to, you're not going to have to do that anymore. Uh, you kind of hate well, yeah, to no, give away nobody, too much. Uh, nobody uh, participating in any of the investigative uh, efforts ever really knew how the tech side worked. Yeah. So we never worried about a courtroom disclosure or a compromise of a technique or tradecraft. So we kept separated, isolated, and, and very much segregated. And it, it paid dividends for us to get the most out of those efforts for the longest period of time. Yeah. Joe, uh, uh, you got a story about the closest you ever came to getting caught? Closest to getting caught? Well, um, I mean, there were lots of close calls, uh, you know, and getting caught means from the subject or from a neighbor or the police. I mean, we were hiding out from NYPD just as much as we were hiding out from the bad guys during this time frame. Uh, We probably... um, pretty much got caught once doing one of the Fat Tony jobs. Um, it's, it was called Andy's Colonial Tavern. It was on the corner. Because uh, even though there's only Paul Boy's Social Club mentioned in this Netflix series, there were actually three entries within a block. And um, it looked like somebody tipped off the cops, and we're out there trying to sneak around. And the next thing we knew, about seven or eight patrol cars swarm into the area, uh, two, at least two officers in a vehicle. They come, they get out, they walk around, and uh, it's like we were invisible. They were seeing us, figured out who we were, but they weren't talking to us. And uh, my boss, Jim Calston, at the time, uh, went up to one of the guys and said uh, something like, hey, we're on the job. And as fast as they arrived, they all disappeared. Hmm. 
Now, obviously, we finished the job. It didn't produce anything. So I guess that would go into one of those one of those few get caught stories that nobody knew about. Yeah. And and it didn't produce anything. Also, may tell you something about the the word probably got out that night. There was some funny business uh, going on in this area. I think it might have. But. <laughs> which which is why you didn't even tell the other uh, the case agents and the other agents exactly how you were doing things, and and uh, it's just because people get out. And, you know, they start drinking in bars, and, and even under the, the best of circumstances, we got I got one wiretap here in Kansas City where uh, they had all these wires going, and and uh, these two mob bosses are talking to each other, and, and they said, well, you know, PJ says he's talking to this guy that knows this FBI agent. He says they've got 19 legal wires going in this town, and the, one of the other mob guys says, where, 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 where are they at? And he said, well, I don't know. Probably not the city market. And the other guy says, well, probably on my house. I know they tap my house all the time. So, <laughs> well, you know, one thing that, uh, we, we've been sharing a little bit more of is, uh, when I did my daytime scenarios, only, only one or two people within my environment ever knew what I was going to do, where I was going to do it and when I never let the case people know, until after, and I was fearful that somebody would mention something. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the story that uh, it always is the top of my mind, uh, everybody's familiar with uh, Donnie Brasco and the end of that particular movie where there was a hit that went down uh, where Sonny Red and Delicato was whacked. Right. Well, I had just, after many, many weeks of work in that neighborhood, put the microphone in his sister's apartment on Elizabeth Street Lo and behold, he gets whacked that night. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, the next day I'm back there and, uh, you know, things could have been way different if, uh, if uh, you know, he hadn't gotten killed. Yeah, well, that's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. We sat on a joint for almost a month one time, uh, just right on top of it, practically. It was this kind of little upstart crew and we wanted to see, you know, who their people were. And this is a place they hung out. And by upstarts, the uh, the main family here, the Sabella family, uh, did not want them doing what they were doing. And we get off that surveillance, and about two weeks later, the Sabella family sends three guys in the back door, <laughs> and and they they just start shooting up the place. They shoot and kill one of the brothers, three brothers. They shoot and kill one brother. They wound the other one. They chase the the, the third one right out the front door where we were been sitting watching, and pop him with a shotgun. He goes down. They cripple him. And, uh, and we missed that by about two weeks. Now, I don't know what I'd have done if I'd have been sitting up there and, and that guy'd come yeah. running out the front door that somebody found yeah. him with a shotgun blasted away. There are risks. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there are. <laughs> well, Joe, this has been great. And I don't want to take up too much of your time. You got any, uh, I'm trying to think of another, uh, pride your memory here on another story on, uh, I guess uh, when they first started doing this Netflix series, uh, they really uh, how did how did that go down for all you agents? It, they just started. Find, they found one person that then started recruiting the other people, and here's how you find this guy, and here how here's how you find that guy. Well, uh, you know, I got a call from Jim Costler, who was a part of the opening of the series. Uh, you know, in 2019. Uh, late 2018 he, he mentioned uh, that netflix was doing something uh, would i mind participating because they were going to be talking about several of the jobs that i did and i said 
I'd be glad to. You know, I'd been uh, interviewed. I'd been on a National Geo and a History Channel and little snippets here and there. And I thought, well, you know, it's been 35, almost 40 years since we were doing this. So I imagine we could tell a story or two. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's kind of what I figured. They're, uh, uh, they're always reaching out for people. And then once one agent or one officer that was involved with it, finds out about it, like, I've, I've got a call because I'm on the Internet. I'm easy to find. So when somebody does something about the skimming from Las Vegas, they first get hold of me, and then the the guy who was a case agent, Bill Owsley, lives here in Kansas City, and I still see him all the time. And So I'll get hold of Bill and say, here's a deal, Bill. You want to you wanna talk, talk to these people or not? I'll give them your number or not because they never know how to get hold of him. So that's kind of how it works. You know, I know Kansas City was always favorable, uh in the FBI parlance, I spent nine years at FBI headquarters. I worked for Floyd Clark for a while mm-hmm. in the criminal division, and uh, everybody had good stories about Kansas City. And it was some place I never got to personally. And being being New York and Washington D.C. for most of the time, I always wondered be like uh, in the Midwest. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, the the living's a lot easier and a lot cheaper than it is back back east uh, those guys that get transferred here from those big offices especially if they came from the midwest anyhow they love it here and they they'll retire here because uh, uh, the the living's uh, so much easier here than in new york city and so much cheaper no doubt about it all right joe well i appreciate it very good thanks very right. much Glad thank, to thank you joe all right goodbye all right bye-bye if you're a veteran and you believe you have problems that might be from PTSD that's connected to your service time, call your local vet center or the local VA hospital in your area, or there's a national hotline, 1-800-273-8255, and press 1 if you're a vet. You can go to www.ptsd.va.gov, and this site contains a lot of uh, interesting information and a lot of good resources. When the COVID's over, as we say, when the COVID-19 virus is over and everybody's getting back to work, you can hit me up for a cup of coffee or a shot and a beer on my Venmo app, Gangland Wire. I've got my two movies out there, Brothers Against Brothers, the Savella Spiro War, and Gangland Wire, which is the kind of the story behind the movie Casino, the story about the mob war in Kansas City that led to the uncovering of the skimming information. Got Leaving Vegas, How FBI Wiretaps Ended Mob Domination of Las Vegas Casinos. Get the Kindle version. You can link the, uh, I've linked the wiretaps, actual audio from the wiretaps to sections in the book. Good evening, folks. Music provided by our good friend and super fan from Portland, Oregon, Casey McBride. Thanks, Casey.